This podcast contains strong language and adult themes. Listener's discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to A Page Too Far, the show where each week one of us reads a book and then tells the other all about it. Will it be good? Will it be bad? Let's find out. My name is Dr. Frankenfurter, and this is my co-host, The Man Bat. Yeah! That's good enough. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Kind of hurt my throat a little bit there, but you know, that's okay. That yeah, it's, uh, you have a healing factor, so I think you'll be good. Oh, yeah. 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 Maybe that's why my tongue is still on fire. <laughs> I burnt it yesterday and it hurts. Don't drink hot tea, kids. So this week's book is The Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, yeah. H.G. Wells. Classic. Yeah, I love it. By H.G. Wells. It's great. It is a sci-fi slash horror novel. So this is kind of, uh, we're, we're switching roles here. Because normally I'm the one who reads the old science fiction. Yeah, basically. Nice. And I have to say, there are I, there's there's similarity to Orphans of the Sky, actually. For sure. Which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, I think, um, didn't, what's his face who wrote Orphans of the Sky, didn't he use H.G. Wells as an inspiration? It's very possible. I think he did. Very possible. I think okay. he did. This book was published in 1896. Yep. Uh, and this particular print that I have was published by Tom Doherty Associates. Cool. Uh, this book is 124 pages long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pretty bog standard. Bog standard. Probably a pretty short, shorter pretty easy than, read. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not too bad. I the reason I read this one, uh, I was going to read another book, and then I just felt so fucking tired this weekend. Yeah, and uh, I was like, fuck it, I want to read something short. Yeah, the other one was kind of long. Yeah, something short and probably good. Yeah. <laughs> so I read this one. Uh, the the cover on my particular copy is is pretty great. You have this little wooden fort that's like on fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have Doc Brown uh, trying to BDSM the fuck out of a bunch of cat people. Yeah, he's just he's just whipping. He's, he's whipping he's, it good. He's whipping pussy. <laughs> <laughs> They're cat people. I don't. Well, it's more than just cat people. They're beast people. There's all sorts in this this illustration. It's a very, yeah. very good one. I do have to say, this does not happen in the book. Mm. This particular composition okay. does is not an event that happens in the story. All right. Uh, all of these elements separately happen. Right. And they just kind of mashed them up to make it look exciting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So without further ado, let's whip on in. The Island of Dr. Moreau. So the book's introduction informs us that on February 1st, 1887, the Lady Vane was struck and sank. Hmm. It's a ship. Yeah. Eleven months later, a passenger of this vessel by the name of Edward Prendick was found alive in a small dinghy floating on the sea. Yeah. What a great name. Yeah. Prendick. I was thinking dinghy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, Prendick is a Edward Prendick. That's a very like, it's a very turn of the century. Yeah. Name Through, throughout this entire book. I kept wanting to call him Pendrick. Sure. Yeah. And then there's a moment where someone in the book calls him Pendrick. Oh, even they know his name is Prendick and that's all they've called him. And then all of a sudden they call him Pendrick and I'm like, am I going crazy or is that actually there? Huh? And the best ticket figure is it's a printing mistake because be. that there was one time that's funny that I noticed. That's really funny. It's very interesting. Uh, so he was found alive in a small boat and he was rescued. And his account of the events that had transpired since the shipwreck were so unbelievable that everyone considered him a lunatic. Right. 
right? Well, and the fact that he'd spent, what, how long? Two months at sea? 11 months. 11 months. That's much longer. Uh, well, according to him, he wasn't at sea for 11 right. months, right? Right. The only island in the region where they had found him was called Noble Isle. Hmm. It was investigated by the authorities, but it was found to be uninhabited. Okay. No sign of any living creatures save for some suspicious white rabbits that didn't seem native to the island. Hmm. Isn't that weird? The following tale is according to Edward Prendick and is published by his nephew. So basically his nephew wrote down the story for right. him and then and tried to publish it. it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Are we going to follow the white rabbit? Um, kind of. Yeah, actually. Cool. That's, a, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't think of that. I got you. So Edward's story begins with him jumping into a small open boat with two other men to escape the sinking Lady Vane. Yeet. There's no details about why it's sinking. Mm -hmm. It struck something. It's sinking. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. One man who was also a passenger was named Helmar. The barbarian. And the third man was a short, sturdy seaman whom Edward did not know. Oh. He's just one of the sailors yeah, on just board. Yeah, just a crewman. After about four days of floating in the tiny boat, Helmar proposed they draw lots. To what? It's very vague. Mm. It implies cannibalism. Right. Because they don't have any water or food. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So they draw lots, and the sailor draws the, the, short, the short straw, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he decides... Nah, fuck all that. And then they start fighting. I mean, that's fair. Yeah, no, I, I, that's fair. Yeah. So uh, they're grappling and the two men fall out of the little boat and drowned. And it's just Edward left. It's just Edward left. Without right? a food source now. Yeah. If you're in that situation, <laughs> would you would you eat someone? Um, Not if they're still alive. Yeah. Be like, let's just see who dies first and then go go at it. I wouldn't. I, I think even if that were the case, I don't think I don't think I could eat a no? human being. But I don't have a problem if I die of someone eating me. Right, right. Like, I don't think I could bring myself to do it, but, I mean, I've obviously never been in that situation. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but like, if I'm dead and somebody else can get nutrients from my corpse, go for it. Right. Well, what you got to do is you got to get rid of the head first. That, that's your closest. It. Yeah, that's, yeah. And then what you want to do is dismember and then skin. And from that point, it's just slabs of meat. It's right. not identifiable. Yeah. Uh, and that's how you... <laughs> But you still have to you still have to rationalize it to yourself because you still know. Uh, you know, but it was a survival situation. Right. You're not going to run into the guy's family. You don't know that. I know that because I'll be avoiding them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Soon after, he's like fading into delirium. Yeah, he absolutely. Can't, he can't tell what's happening around him. Yeah. And he, he sees a boat come near him, but he doesn't believe it's real. Mm -hmm. I don't care if I believe it was real or not. I'd still hail it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Try to. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't have the energy to do anything, really. So uh, he's rescued by a schooner, and he wakes up in the aft cabin. Nice. He's being nursed back to health by a man who introduces himself as Montgomery. Hmm. Uh, the man, sa it says he is uh, thin, uh, and his, his hands are really bony. Mm -hmm. His flaxen hair and a big mustache. Nice. Uh, Montgomery had given him injections in the arm. And fed him something red and cold, which tasted like blood. Cocaine and meat. <laughs> Just inject the cocaine into your arm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he takes Edward above deck and like on the way, they, they run into this really short, stocky man that is so mis misshapen and deformed that Edward thinks that it's not a man. Mm -hmm. It's some kind of animal yeah. on its hind legs. The elephant man. 
Uh, yeah, but then he turns around and there's intelligence in his eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just can't get over how hideous this man is and how unfortunate his appearance. Uh, it also says he has really coarse horse hair on his head. Yeah. He's got teeth that don't look human. You know, kind of kind of crazy. It's like a jump scare. Edward thinks there's something very familiar about this ugly man. Well, yeah, it's the, it's the sailor. Uh, he can't quite put his finger on it, but he feels like he's met this man somewhere before. But he surely would have recognized him I, if I mean, he had. Yeah, unless he was experimented on. Now, for, the, for the record, I've never actually read or seen this book. Okay. I know um, of its existence, but I right. don't know the plot. I, I've literally just knew that there was, it was a Dr. Frankenstein type thing. That's all I know about it. I don't even book. know that. So, oh, really? Yeah, okay. I, I know nothing about it except that it exists. Okay, okay. And that H.G. Wells um, is very into that kind of Yeah. So, so I also thought it was the Sailor Man because it says short and stock. Exactly. Just like that's, him. That's my reasoning. It's not. Oh. <laughs> and it, there, there really is no identity behind this character. Okay, so this is just kind of like a fake. I was like, I think yes. I know him from somewhere, but also, no, you don't. Yeah, no. Ultimately, there is no reason why he would be familiar with this guy. Okay. They literally have never met before. All right. So. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Once they get on the deck of the ship, it is a virtual menagerie. There are animals everywhere in mm-hmm. cages, and there are muzzled hounds uh, that are basically just chained to, like, the mast, I think. Sure. Um, so they can move around, but they're not going to bite you or anything. They're just really loud. And yeah. There's, uh, there's even a puma. Ooh. Full-grown puma in a cage. Nice. It's not a puma. Uh-oh, big puma! <laughs> Huge your teeth! So there's a moment after dark mm-hmm. uh, when the dark, deformed man is leaning against the railing of the ship. Yeah. And he's looking out at the stars in the open ocean. And Edward kind of passes by him. And the man turns his face to look at him, and the torchlight reflects in his eyes as pale green orbs. Mm-hmm. You know, like how an animal's eyes reflect light very yeah. weirdly, and they look green in the pitch blackness. More like a cat's eyes, but yeah, yeah. that's what uh, wolves too also do. That happens, and cool. then and then the deformed man just turns back to looking at the stars, and I, that really creeped me out. Really, the way it's described is one of the creepiest things I think I've ever read in a book. Interesting, yeah. And it's, it's, it was awesome. The way it's described is awesome. Okay. So that happens. Um, there's a bit of a scuffle between, uh, cause like the, the captain is just a drunk belligerent man mm-hmm, who, mm-hmm. who regrets taking on Montgomery and his menagerie. Right. Well, yeah, I can, I can appreciate that. And, uh, and the, and the deformed creepy man is his assistant. Montgomery's assistant. Yes. Yeah. Um, he has a name. It doesn't come up till way later, but his name is Melite. Okay, for some reason, throughout this entire episode, I call this character Malite. That is not his name. His name is Maling, right? Not Malite, Maling. So don't at me. It's a very weird name. That is a very strange name. Um, But anyways, the captain is just tired of these guys. They've made a mess of his deck. There's just animal shit and urine everywhere. Yeah. And uh, and he doesn't like the little ugly man. He thinks there's something evil and twisted about him. I kind of agree. So him and the whole crew just kind of abuse him. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't go uh, that far. And Montgomery is like, why are you attacking my, you know, my assistant? Because he's different than us. Dang it. I mean, that's what they say. Yeah, I know. They're like, because he's an evil, twisted dwarf. This we is, don't like him. This is 1889 <laughs> or whenever this is written. Uh, yeah. Of course, that's what they say. And... Uh, and so nobody's happy with anybody right now. Uh, Edward steps in and calls, uh, well, he doesn't call the captain anything. He tells him to shut up because he's a drunkard and Edward right. doesn't like drunkards. He's a teetotaler. Sure. Doesn't like people that drink. Yeah. 
So he tells them to shut up. He's a belligerent drunk and they need to, everybody just needs to chill out. Mm-hmm. And the captain remembers that. He's like, you little fucker. Should throw you overboard right now. The captain will remember this. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they eventually come to the island. Uh, the In Montgomery had mentioned the island before. Mm-hmm. He just called it his island. Like, I'm going back to my island. I want to take you to the island. And there's a boat that comes out to meet the schooner. Right. Uh, it's uh, it's not a schooner. It's not a dinghy. It's somewhere in between. I think it's a long boat, something like that. A jolly boat. Yeah, and uh, and so uh, meets up with this boat uh, as boats tend to work around islands. One comes out to meet, unload, yeah, and go back. Yeah, yeah, that sort totally. of thing. Uh, and the sailors begin unloading all of his animals and everything. There's a white-haired man who came off the smaller boat and is talking with Mon- Montgomery, mm-hmm. and he's really kind of big. <laughs> he's really tall. He has broad shoulders. He's muscled, but he has white hair and looks like a scholarly man. Okay, kind of interesting mix there. Yeah. Uh, so Montgomery uh, makes it clear to Edward that he is not going ashore with them. Okay. And Montgomery's not going to shore, but it's... No, the... Montgomery is going to shore. Edward is not going with Oh, them. Montgomery made it clear to Edward that Edward is not going to shore with... Yes. Oh, but isn't that kind of the whole point? Point of what? Wasn't that... Like, wasn't he hyping it up? No, he was just telling him. He wasn't hyping it. He was oh, just I like, see. I'm going to my island with the animals. Okay. Like he was just okay. stating it as a fact. Gotcha. And he's like, yeah, and you're not invited. Exactly. Okay. Uh, after talking to the guy with white hair, he's like, yeah, that's not going to work. So okay. uh, you're going to have to stay on the ship until they get back to like wh- whatever port they're going back to. I mean, that's still fair. It's fair. Uh, but then the captain is like, you get off my fucking ship before I shoot you. Yeah, because you called me a drunkard. Yeah. And so he's like, uh, where am I supposed to go? Like, I can't go on the island. You're going to just drop me in the sea. And the captain's like, sure, but you're getting off my ship. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to let you stay on the ship. <laughs> so what they do is they just drop him in his little dinghy that he was stranded in. Right. And take off. So they just basically leave him where they found him only slightly closer to shore yeah and uh and so his he's he's literally like crying well yeah because he's not recovered from that time where he's yeah. without food and he has nothing he can't do anything now so he's just kind of drifting in the waves and it kind of pushes him closer to the island and the the longboat gets back and they're unloading their sh- their their shit um and and they take pity on him oh and they're like Okay, fine. You can come to the island with us. So they they kind of drag his little dinghy to the to okay. the dock. Oh, nice guys. Yep. I mean, not really, but no. <laughs> so aside from Montgomery and the white haired man, mm-hmm. there is uh, I think it was like four other uh, helpers with them. Is Montgomery's like, assistant one of them? Uh, not including him. He's okay. with them, but okay. it's four others. Four others. Got it. They were similar to Malites. Where they were, they seemed to be kind of misshapen in various ways. Yeah. But they were completely wrapped in white cloth. Oh. Down to their individual digits. Interesting. Yeah. And they all wore turbans. Hmm. So you could see a little bit of their face, but nothing else. Yeah. But they all seemed to have abnormally long ab- ab- abdomens. Oh. <laughs> Wait. Abnormally long abdomens. The abnormally long torsos, I should say. Sure. I mean, either one works. Uh, torso is the whole trunk. Abdomen is just down here. Oh, yeah. But uh, anyways, and, and they had uh, kind of shorter legs. Okay. And their arms were also long and lanky. So just a little... That's a very H.G. Wells creature. Yeah, it's very uh, unnerving. Yeah. So they disembark, and uh, Edward helps them carry their packages in animal, animal cages to uh, where they need to go. Did you say aminal? 
maybe <laughs> the cages containing creatures uh, to this thing that it's it's a uh, it's a rock enclosure. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, with buildings inside of it, and gotcha. that's where they're they're carrying all the shit to. Right. Montgomery and the white-haired man discuss where to put Edward. Uh, and they talk about, like, we don't have the time to build you a hutch mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can't stay where we're staying because we can, at this point, I think they're like, we conduct experiments. That's what we're going to do on these animals, but we don't want you to know about any of that because, you know, it's important work to us. We don't want the word to get out. Right. So Edward is completely understanding. He's like, oh, I wouldn't even dream of asking you any questions. Like, I'm just happy to be alive and have somewhere to stay for the time. Being. Also fair. Yeah. So they go into the enclosure and they put them in a little apartment near the entrance to the enclosure. Oh, okay. And it's it's not bare bones, but there's not a lot to it. It's yeah. uh, not very luxurious. But yeah. he's like, this is more than enough. It's great. And uh, and it's just off the courtyard going into this enclosure. And on the backside, there's like bigger buildings uh, and there's a, a, a locked door there hmm. that, that leads into the little compound. Hmm. Edward learns that the white-haired man's name is Moreau. <gasps> dun, dun, dun! Which sounds very familiar to him. Why? Uh, well, he, he doesn't know yet. He's just preying on his mind. It's is like, this also? This actually goes somewhere. This oh, is okay. not the same thing as the other one. Um, just like, I think I know you. I think I know you. <laughs> I think I know you. I'm pretty sure that is a syndrome. Yeah. Uh, resulting from brain damage is you just everything. Everybody seems familiar to you somehow. Yeah, that could. Yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah, I could yeah. also see it being a result of like using Tinder too much. Where it's like, <laughs> oh, we totally have a connection. I feel it. We absolutely have a connection. Uh, soon after, uh, like he's in there getting comfortable. Yeah. There's a hammock. Pretty oh, sick. Nice. The short, deformed man, Malite, walks in with his breakfast on a tray. Edward sees one of the man's ears out from under his his hat, mm-hmm. and it's pointed hmm. and covered in fur. Ooh, almost like a cat or, and or wolf man. And this is a little alarming to him. Yeah, well, yeah. And he remembers who Moreau is now. Who's Moreau? A decade ago, he had read a pamphlet called Moreau's Horrors. So this is definitively... Uh, a two-sided page folded in half. I'm not exactly sure. Because it's a pamphlet. We talked about that on the uh, on the Patreon episode. Right. It, it was a very brief, uh, informative piece of paper medium. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Completely derailed you. And according to, according to this pamphlet, allegedly Dr. Moreau had been chased out of London for performing cruel experiments on animals. Ah. Right? Yep. Montgomery has lunch with Edward. And he tells Edward, uh, they're in the little courtyard in the middle of this little enclosure, right? And he's like, this is where we always eat, me and Dr. Moreau. Uh, But Dr. Moreau won't be joining us right now. He's busy with something. Sure. And Edward asks him about the uh, pointy ears. And You just said you wouldn't ask. What's that? Like the day before, you're like, I'm not going to, I don't want to know. I'm not going to ask. I'm just happy to be alive. Hey, what's going on with this guy? I mean, I probably would too, just in passing. I probably wouldn't have said, I'm not going to ask. Right, right, right. I've been like, oh, I get it. And then leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, But he asks, and he also asks about the other fellows that met him on the beach. Like, who are those guys? They got got weird fucking legs. What's up with that? And they got weird fucking legs. Montgomery kind of. Feigns ignorance. He's like, what? He's just gaslighting him. Yeah, he's like, what do you 
point of the ears? What? What are you, what are you talking about? I didn't even. Come what? on, man. Come on. He, he, oh, you're crazy, man. He literally says, uh, we picked up that fellow in San Francisco and he keeps to himself. So maybe he does have pointed ears. I don't know. He's your assistant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, okay. He trusts him with all of his animals and shit. Too, all right. So. Sure. Yeah. Cool. All right. But he literally just feigns ignorance on everything. Yeah. And even the guys on the beach, he's like, yeah, they're a kooky bunch. All right. <laughs> I would probably leave it at that if I were Edward. While this is, while they're having this conversation, he can hear s- the screams of the puma coming from the larger building in the back. I've heard that sound before. I think I think I know that person. <laughs> and it's a screams of pain. Clearly, mm. this animal's in pain. Mm. And he's like, "Well, Doctor Moreau makes sense, I guess, right? Yeah, Doctor Moreau gonna do what Doctor Moreau gonna do?" And he kind of figures that's why he's on the island is because nobody will let him do the experiments elsewhere. So. That's a logical conclusion. Yeah. Later, uh, Edward is going a little crazy in his tight little space. He's got the courtyard in his apartment, and that's it, pretty much. Mood. And they're like, uh, best not to wander around the island because there's a lot of dangerous places on the island. You could just fall into a crevice without warning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, there's currents that will drown you if you wade into them, that sort of thing. The screams of the puma are fucking driving him bonkers. Mm-hmm. And this is still his, like, first day. <laughs> right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's like I have to get away from this this little compound so he sneaks out to explore the island he comes across a stream he's some distance away from it but he mm-hmm. sees a man on all fours walking along I'll bet it's not at least not only and this man starts drinking out of the stream straight from its mouth yeah. right and he comments on how uncouth that is you're supposed to put the water in your hand and then drink from your hand you that's don't, a biblical don't, thing yeah 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 it's a there's a lot of like old-fashioned shit in this yeah. book that just pops you know uh this man sees him and then just stands up like nothing happened like oh woo, woo, nice day hmm. and then wanders off <laughs> and he's like that's one of the most disturbing fucking things i've ever seen <laughs> i mean I guess in modern times, it's not that weird. No, because with the internet, you see shit like that all the <laughs> yeah. time. But like back then, yeah, no, to that's see someone fair. acting like an animal yeah. is like, that's fucking disturbing. That's that's totally fair. So as time passes, he's walking around. He finds a dead rabbit. Oh, I completely forgot about the rabbits. I didn't make a note of it. But they Tell had, me about the rabbits. They had a bunch of rabbits in cages on the boat. And oh, okay. As soon as they get on the island, they let them go. Oh. There's like several dozen. All right. And Montgomery makes a comment about, like, uh, we need some some good meat on the island, you know, something we can catch. Yeah, let them populate. So, and, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so he finds one of these rabbits. That's really bad to do yes. to islands like that because yes. those rabbits will overwrite everything else. Yeah. You'll just obliterate the ecosystem, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so he finds one of these rabbits and its head is completely twisted off. <gasps> That's yep. kind of what you do. Uh, and then he continues exploring and he uh, wades into these like this this jungle-ish parts of the island where mm-hmm. it's like thick undergrowth. I like the, I like the description of wading into it. That's yeah, basically very I mean, apt. I think that's how the book describes it. So yeah. That's why I yeah. used it. But that's a good descriptor. He uh, he comes across three what, Gross. He, what he thinks are men. Mm-hmm. He gets closer and they're they're acting very weird. They're on their hind legs, but they're they're doing this little rhythmic thing. And like muttering to each other, but he can't make out what they're saying. And then he gets he gets as close as he dares to get yeah. without them noticing him. And there seems to be two men and a woman. Mm-hmm. 
and their features are so grotesque, he can only, the, the image that pops into his head that he can't think of anything else is pig. Oh. Like, they, they look like pigs. Interesting. But they're obviously humans. They are on their hind legs. Right. They have, like, longer arms and a human torso. Right. But they're grunting and muttering, and they're doing this weird shuffle thing. It's animal farm. Yeah, and they're and they're they they seem to be doing some kind of ritual or song. He doesn't. He can't make out what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now he's like kind of terrified. A little bit. Yeah. He's like, I don't he's blame like, him. They're they're here to be monsters. Yeah. I'm getting out of here. Yeah. So he turns around and quietly tries to sneak out. You're off, digit. I'm app jack. And something is stalking him. <gasps> is it his ex? There's a shadow in the brush next to him, just keeping pace with him as mm. he's moving through this jungle bit. And uh, there's a, there's a couple like sneak peeks he sees of it and he thinks it's the man who was at the stream getting a drink okay right that tracks and he thinks this crazy dude is stalking me now well i mean you're kind of you were warned several times (laughs) and it's getting dark yeah the sun has gone down already and he is trying to get back to this enclosure right and as this thing is stalking him he's going faster and faster until he is full out just fucking sprinting he's out of the brush and he's like (laughs) just panicking getting out of here yeah and this thing just goes after him as well. Yep. Just right behind him. Yep. Uh, and this thing is now running on all fours. Mm-hmm. Like, like an animal. There it is. There it is. He's lost. Of course he is. Because he's panicking. It's dark. He doesn't know where he's going. He yeah. can't see the complex anywhere. Yeah. So he's running along the beach shore. Because he's like, it was close to the beach. So if I just run along the beach, I'll eventually. Yeah. Eventually. You're on an island. 20 miles later, I'll eventually see it. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, and this thing is just keeping pace. But he gets an idea, something he learned from s- someone in his youth. He picks up a rock as he's running. He just grabs a rock, puts it in his handkerchief, and uses it as a sling against okay. the creature. Hits it right in the temple. Huh. Just bam, the thing is down. That was rude. And he keeps running, right? He finally makes it back to the enclosure. You can hear uh, Montgomery shouting his name. And the front gate is open and there's light spilling out. Edward! Oh, Edward! And Montgomery tries to calm him down and get him inside. He's like, what the hell are you doing out here? I told you it was dangerous. Like, what are you doing? You'll never believe this. It was dangerous. <laughs> and then he uh, he gives him uh, something to drink and puts him to bed. The next Go day, sleep. he wakes up, broad daylight. Edward doesn't hear the puma screaming at all anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? What it's, puma? It's silent. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's such sweet silence. But he notices that the door that is always locked, even though he's only been here a fucking day. Yeah. But they told him it was always locked and it was locked when he got there. But the door that's always locked is not locked. Oh. The one leading to the bigger building. What a mystery. Guess you should explore somewhere where you aren't meant to be again. Well, Montgomery is there in the courtyard. So when he goes out, he has breakfast for him. Nice. It's like, are you feeling better? You know, that sort of thing. And as they're nearing the end of their meal, he starts hearing screaming again, but it's not Puma screaming. Okay. It is human screaming. Huma. Huma. It's coming from that room. Yeah. Same room. Yeah. So in a fit of terror and just like, what the hell is going on? Fairer. He he runs to the door and yanks it open. Mm -hmm. Yoink. And he sees uh, there's a hound that's tied up, like barking at him. Yep. Bloody murder. Yep. And then like on the far edge of the room, he sees... Some bloody creature tied to a frame, kind of like, you know, the bed frame yeah, torture yeah, yeah. shit. Or, yeah. Yeah. That's sort of thing. Just spread arms, eagle. spread eagle. 
and uh, he, he can't even tell what it is. It's so bloodied and cut up. Um, and, and he, is, he, he's like, that has to be a man. I heard a man screaming yeah. that looks vaguely human shaped. That's, it has to be a man that, that they've kidnapped. They've I bet he used here. to be a Puma. Dr. Moreau just kind of like, like shifts in front of him to block his view like out of Dracula nowhere. teleports. Yeah. He's just this fucking big dude. And he just grabs him by the coat, lifts him up and tosses him back into the courtyard. <laughs> Edward is really scared now. Yeah, again, still. And he runs over to the little the little lunch table, knocks it over, breaks off a leg, and has a nail sticking out. Nice. Improvised weapon there. Yeah, that'll do 1d4 damage. Yeah, and uh, Montgomery tries to calm him down, but he's swinging it like, get the fuck away from me! And then he runs out of the enclosure. Bruh. And he's like, I've got to find somewhere to get away from these guys. Uh, just forgetting about the monsters, I, I mean, guess. Yeah, you went you went two different places and you encountered a monster in each place, one of which chased you allegedly forever. Yeah, yeah. So he kind of runs off into the brush again, and he runs into a friendly monkey man. That you that's racist. <laughs> it's it's a cross between an ape and a man. Yeah, I know what it is. And it seems to understand English perfectly well. But it can't speak it. It can. It can. It talks to him. Oh. Yep. And, uh, hey, how are you? It turns out it was one of the workers who helped unload the ship, but he was no longer wrapped up in right. white, white cloth, right. so he could see what he actually looked like. Oh, hey, good to see you there. The monkey man holds out his hand and counts to five. Monkey man, take me by the So he hand. goes, one, two, three, four, five, and every number he holds out another digit, right? Like he's counting his own fingers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Prendick... I've been calling him Edward, but I write him down as Prendick from here on out. So I'm just going to call him Prendick. That's fine. Yeah, either one. Interchangeable. uh, So Prendick repeats this action. He just mimics him. He holds out his hand and says, one, two, three, four, five. That's how Nazism started. (laughs) Just (laughs) blindly repeating and raising your hand. The monkey monkey man smiles and, and leads him to a cave. Like, he's really happy that he did that. Yeah. And he's like, come with me. And then he, he takes him to this cave. Bro, we're bros. Yeah. And inside the cave, there's a bunch of hovels and huts. Oh. And then he takes them to a lean-to on the far side of the cave, yeah. right? Guys, he counted to five. <laughs> I did the thing. He did it back. He's cool. In the shadows in the back of this lean-to was a big, hunched black shape mm. that he can't make out any details of. It's just two in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also meets a little pink sloth child. Okay. It's like a little pink fleshy mass that he's like, it looks kind of like a sloth, but I don't know what it is. Gross. Uh, and there's, there's a couple others. There's one he just calls a lump of mystery. <laughs> that was my nickname in high school. <laughs> the hunched shape tells Prendick that if he's going to live with them, he must recite the law. Uh, oh, and, the, and I didn't write it down, but before that, the monkey man was like, uh, he is, he is a five-fingered man. He is one of us. Okay. That's what he said. Okay. 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 So that's why he's doing the one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, you got five fingers. Yep. Okay. And he says, if you're going to live with us, you must recite the law. Ape together strong. And uh, he calls himself uh, the, the I think it was the law sayer or the sayer of the law. Sure. Uh, but he, he, he knows the law. He makes sure everyone abides by the law. Yeah. That's the role of this shadowy creature. So uh, I've written down some of the law. But it is very expansive, and the book doesn't cover every detail of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they they have a way of reciting each law. So they'll say the law, and then say, this is the law, 
Are we not men? Hmm. Okay. So, here are the laws. Not to go on all fours. This is the law. Are we not men? Not to suck up drink. This is the law. We are not. Are we not men? Not to eat flesh nor fish. This is the law. Are we not men? Not to claw bark of trees. This is the law. Are we not men? Not to chase other men. This is the law. Are we not men? And there's more the book book doesn't write down. Interesting. Now, and then they start reciting, like, he, they, they basically say one law, and they're like, you have to say it back to me. To, yeah. To yeah, prove yeah. that you understand Get, what That it you is. know it, yeah. And then once they go through all the laws, uh, the, he starts reciting other stuff. He's like, this is some things you have to know. Can I, can I give a hypothesis here? Okay. My hypothesis is that there are two kinds of experimentations going on. Okay. There are turning people into animals and animals into people, and these are the people who have been turned into animals. So they're trying to hold on to the human identity. Or it could be the opposite, that they are animals turned into men, so they're trying to cling to the side of them that is man. One of those two. Okay. So, yeah, that's my hypothesis for what it matters. Uh, So the other things they start reciting is, His is the house of pain. His is the hand that makes. His is the hand that wounds. His is the hand that heals. Hmm. Some more shit they recite, right? Yeah. I mean, it's obvious, but yeah. So there's a commotion outside, and all the creatures in the hut kind of rush out. Mm-hmm. So Edward l- leans out to look, see what's up, and all the animals are gathering around Dr. Moreau and Montgomery. Oh. They have revolvers in their hands. Nice. Prendick takes off. Friggin' bye. He takes off through a narrow passageway in the back of the lean-to. Mm-hmm. There's like a very narrow thing there, and he's like, I could, it, it kind of goes up as well. So it's almost like a chimney. Okay. You go yeah. back and up to climb out the top of yeah, yeah, where, yeah. you know, above this cave. And so he just goes in there. And then like one of the other creatures, I think Dr. Moreau is like, stop him, stop him. And then one of the other creatures tries to grab him, but he's too big to fit in the crack. Mm-hmm. Um, the little sloth creature <laughs> comes at him and he uses his nail club to put a gash across the fuck his fucking face. Oh. It's like horribly. <laughs> oh. Uh, I have a, I have in parentheses just fucks up sloth child. <laughs> he runs and runs and runs and uh, he he know uh, Doctor Moreau has a hound. It was the one he saw earlier, mm-hmm. and he's like that must be what they're using to track me. Right, 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 right. So he he runs into the jungly part again, and then accidentally falls into a ravine. Um, but he he on purpose goes through some brambly, spiky shit. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gets all scratched up, but he's like, that, that hound probably won't go through here. Um, so then he falls down to ravine and just takes a break, and he thinks he's lost him for the time being. Do you just go around the brambles? He figures that his best chance is to sneak back into the enclosure while they're searching for him and see if he can find, like, a gun or something, yeah. right, to even the odds. Yeah. Unfortunately, he is cornered, like, almost immediately on the shore. Yep. <laughs> he just leaves the brush. They see him. Yeah, because that's um, how tracking works. Yeah, and all the beasts are helping now, so they're all trying oh, to Oh, okay, him. yeah. So he kind of wades out into the water till it's up to his hip, mm-hmm. and Dr. Moreau is like, brah, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, what, are you, what, what are you doing? And Edward is threatening to drown himself. Okay. He's like, I, I'm, I'm not going to be with these monsters. I don't trust you. I'm going to drown myself. And they're like, okay, hold on, hold on. Let's just talk for a second. Why? You have, they have no stake in this. Uh, well, they are human beings and he's a human being. So they're like, we don't want you to like fucking drown. 
Okay. We have empathy towards you, and I know oh, you're now scared. Now they have empathy. Uh, well... I know. It's all been from a very panicked perspective. <laughs> yes. Uh, Edward pleads with the Beast people to turn against Dr. Moreau and Montgomery. Mm. They were like, like, obviously, you're the result of this evil experimentation. Um, you need to uh, attack this guy who's made you this way, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and they don't do anything. Right. Yeah, naturally. Dr. Moreau insists that he has only experimented on animals, and he's given them the gift of intelligence. There it is. He's like, I, I don't, uh, these are, they, they were animals, and now I've made them something better. I don't do that to humans. Like, mm-hmm. are you crazy? Mm-hmm. He offers to give Prendick the revolvers if he'll just come back with them. He's like, look, to show you that we don't mean any harm, we'll give you the guns. And you can hold on to them. We just need to go back to the compound. So there's a thing there. Okay. Um, when you're dealing with somebody who is insane and you have weapons on them because they might hurt themselves or others. Yeah. You don't give them weapons <laughs> because they might hurt themselves or others. Prendick reluctantly agrees. Sure. Because the time he spent with Montgomery is like, I don't think this guy is evil at all. He and, gave me food. And Dr. Moreau is sounding very reasonable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he's t- telling me he's going to explain everything, right? Sure. So yeah. if I have a gun, I think I'll be fine okay. until he explains things. Okay. So he shows him his laboratory and kind of explains his whole scientific theory and his whole process and what he's doing and what he's creating. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also says some pretty racist shit. Oh. <laughs> well, again, yes. So uh, he he, ta- he kind of talks about the history of his being on the island, right? Okay. And his first experiments were animals mixing with other animals like chimeras. Sure. Yeah. And uh, and then he was like, I want to bring human level intelligence out of them. So he used hypnosis. All right. To teach them. I don't know how that works, but <laughs> uh, it doesn't. But go on. He explains that one creature he made was limbless, had a horrifying face and would writhe and wriggle on the ground as locomotion to get around. Literally put it out of its misery. Uh, well, it escaped, and it was very strong, and uh, he explained that he used to have human workers on the island. Right. They, they were like, um, they they weren't natives of the island, but they were natives to like a nearby island or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this thing killed one of them, mm. which is horrifying. Just imagining some chimeric creature that doesn't have any limbs but it can chase you down and kill you. Yeah, no, that's terrifying. <laughs> and uh, and it's it's how the way it's described is like it's not like a snake. It doesn't it doesn't glide around the along the ground. It's like it a caterpillar. And I don't, I don't fucking know. It says its its motion is similar to that of a porpoise. So I guess it does the worm. <laughs> but anyways, he's like he killed a human. So we put we killed that creature. Yeah, and then he he. Somehow that convinced him that they need to have human form. To identify with each other. Be like, same form, same form. Something like Five that. Five fingers good, no fingers bad. Something like that. He's like, it, the experiments seem to go better if they have human form. Interesting. It's weird. Uh, and then he explains that his first successful experiment was on a gorilla. That is the closest, I guess. Are you ready for the racist shit? <laughs> So he, he, he kind of worked on the gorilla. So, yeah. and he, and he says that he says the physiology changes are not that large. Right. Cause it's already pretty close to humans. Um, but it was the first time he succeeded with training the brain mm-hmm. to think like a human. And he's like the, 
parts and animals that are for sex drive and for hunting and stuff are larger because those are more important to that animal. Mm-hmm. And he's like, using hypnosis, again, what the fuck? Yeah. I'm going to m- turn those into other things. Like, like the parts of the brain are just interchangeable and they can do okay. whatever. <laughs> so he's like, the part for sex drive, I'll devote that to language. Sure. <laughs> those two things are interchangeable. And then he says... Don't, don't say it. <laughs> don't say it. Don't do it. He says, by the time I was done, the gorilla was on par with a Negro. H.G. Wells, why? <laughs> well, okay, here's the thing. I don't know if it's H.G. Wells or this character he's portraying. Because this character is a villain. Right. No, you're right. So I'm not sure. You're right. There's plausible deniability there. And I don't remember any flat-out racism in, like, the time machine, which I've read recently. Right. Um, I don't remember, but... That's really all of it, I think. Just that one comment. Yeah. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> ooh. Okay, then. Ooh. Edward learns that all the beasts outside the compound mm-hmm. are essentially failures. Oh. Um, because he's trying to create something that is as intelligent as a man. Right. And they all just fall short of it. Right. So Even Sloth Baby. Yeah. So he's like, when, when an experiment just doesn't pan out, I just release them. And they have formed like a little fucking society mm-hmm. and they have their own laws, which actually uh, I th- Moreau just kind of let him go and didn't give a fuck about him. But then Montgomery taught them the laws. Oh, because he's like, we can use them. Like, yeah. They're not useless. Yeah. They're just really dumb. And you just need to give them a code. Yeah. So he, he Montgomery laid down the laws, made sure they followed those laws. And they both have like cracking whips. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. like bull whips to keep them in line as well as revolvers if they need right. to put one down. Right. Moreau kind of leans into this really fucking hard and has like a God complex. Well, clearly he's trying to create life. Yeah. I mean, so he, she, he is a very non-emotional scientist. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't see them as anything other than his experiments. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and even before the whole laws were set up, he just, didn't even think about them. Um, he didn't consider himself a god or anything. He's right. like, I'm just, a, I'm just another scientist like anybody else trying to further science. Yeah, but now you've created the society. Yeah, Montgomery kind of comes in. He's like, but you could be a god. <laughs> and he's like, I mean, that sounds pretty cool. I'll what try if, that. What if you were a god? Hey, what if god? As time went on, uh, Dr. Moreau and Montgomery resumed their work, and they didn't waste as much time socializing with Prendick. Yeah. Because they all come to an understanding. Because Prendick is like, okay, I won't fuck with your shit. I'll do what you say. I trust you guys again. I'll just chill out here. That's fine. Can you call me a boat? <laughs> Please. Well, they say that um, you'll be lucky if another boat comes by in like 12 months. Yeah. Because no- nobody really comes by that often. Yeah. So he just has to chill until something happens, right? Yeah. Not yeah. a whole lot to do. So there's a breaking point. Prendick became used to seeing the monsters roaming around the island. And, uh, and he begins thinking... That like long legs and straight backs and flat faces are really weird because yeah. there's only three of them with that. And there is 60 creatures roaming the island that are all deformed and misshapen. Right. So as time goes on and he just is used to seeing them, he's just his whole perspective is fucked. Right. They're the minority. <laughs> yeah. It's a little a little weird now. So one day, uh, Prendick is walking the island with Montgomery because mm-hmm. Montgomery's like, we got some extra time. I want to show you some shit around the island. He's just pointing out landmarks and, oh, there's a natural hot spring here and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, they both have whips and guns at this point because mm. he's like, you're one of us. I don't think you're going to go AWOL again. 
you know, we have an understanding. Sure. And they come across two beasts, the ape man that we saw earlier. Right. The one, two, three, four, five. And then one that looked like a satyr. Ooh. Okay. So it's a, a, God, I forgot what a fucking satyr is. It's a goat bottom and a something else on top. Uh, it's a goat on top and a man bottom. Whatever. It's a, it's a, it's another chimera. Yeah. Half man, half goat. Yeah. Something like that. Although it's not, uh, I mean, it has man like features, but it is like two animals. Right. Put together. Right. So Montgomery tells them that there is another whip wielder and they are a little confused to hear this. Oh. <laughs> like he basically telling them, uh, hey, there's a third God in this island. And they're like, uh, or the, the monkey says to him, like a little confused, he is not made, but he said he was made. He is five fingered man like me. He hungers and bleeds, but the whip wielders do not bleed. Interesting. So it's not computing. Interesting. <laughs> so he's like, bro, he wandered in. He was fucked up. Yeah. You want me to believe he's a god like you guys? Yeah. Like, I don't think so. Interesting. And he, he, said the, he said the laws, so he's one of us. Right. That's another, right. another equation. So Prendick and Montgomery find uh, skeletal remains. They kind of just fuck off. And Montgomery is like, ah, shut the fuck up. He's one of us. Don't he just completely ignores that. <laughs> Deal with it. Yeah, like... Like, that, that could become a problem later, maybe. <laughs> you might want to address that. Um, now they know gods can bleed. <laughs> so, the, so they find skeletal remains later Ooh. of one of, the, one of the creatures just been eaten to the bone. Well, that's not what you do. And Montgomery's very concerned. And he's like, this means that one of the carnivores have gone AWOL. Right. You don't eat flesh, but yeah. they eat flesh. They've, they've, did uh, they eat rabbit? Uh, well, they found a dead rabbit. Right, but wasn't that the point of the rabbits? No, Montgomery wanted the rabbits. Oh, uh, gotcha. Because one of the laws is you do not eat flesh, right. nor fish. Right. Uh, they're all they all eat fruits and veggies and shit. Right. Um, and so does Doctor Moreau. But then Montgomery couldn't help himself, and he's like, "I need some meat." So he brought rabbits to the island. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Okay. That kind of opened the door on some shit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So. Uh, so Montgomery is very concerned, and he's like, we need to go tell Dr. Rowe right away. Yeah, one of the three laws of robotics is being disobeyed. <laughs> so they get Will Smith in here. The obvious suspect was the Leopard Man. And this is where we find out the Leopard Man was the one that was chasing Edward earlier in the dark. Okay, was he, was he the one that he saw drinking from the... Presumably. Okay. Yeah. Dude, you freaking hit me in the head with a rock, man. What's up with that? <laughs> the next time he shows up, he does have like a giant bruise on his head. Nice. It's funny. So they tell Moreau about this, and the three of them walk to a kind of amphitheater. Mm -hmm. It's like a little natural space for whatever you want, you know? Yeah. Amphitheater. Yeah. And then Moreau lifts a horn to his lips, and he blows it really hard, and it's really loud. The sound brings all of the beasts to this place. They all kind of line up, and at first there's like 56, and Moreau's like, there's four of you missing, what the hell? We know one of them was dead, right. so that means there's three that... Three. Hold <laughs> up, two fingers there. So there's three missing, and so he blows the horn again, and then two of them show up. I think one is the ape man shows up a little late, and then, uh, fuck, I forget the second one. I think it might be the the uh, the lawsayer mm. shows up late. Okay. Um. So maybe him and ape man were chatting or something. Yeah. Uh. And then finally the leopard shows up last. Right. Yeah. Ape man and lawsayer were. Uh busy talking about how god can bleed yeah yeah how about that <laughs> so moreau then orders them to recite the laws and they go through them like, mm -hmm. when they get to eat no flesh nor fish he stops them and he points and he says one of you has broken the law 
He who breaks the law returns to the house of pain. And he points towards the compound. That's metal. Then he starts grilling them. He just starts asking, like, who was it? Yep. I know it was one of these. Which one do you do it? And they're all getting, like, sweating bullets. They're, right, oh right. Oh, my God, he has a fucking gun. <laughs> then out of nowhere, the leopard man leaps at Moreau and, and just attacks him. Claws, mouth, everything. Well, there you go. As he hits the ground, Moreau managed to get the gun underneath him and fires. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's I think it's vague here. I think he did hit the leopard man, but he still got away. Um, leopard man escapes. Yes, leopard man escapes. Okay. Prendick and a group of beasts chased af- chase after him. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, it's 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 a long fucking chase. Not very interesting. <laughs> they just they chase and chase and chase, and finally they corner him. And he's in like the undergrowth, and Prendick can see his eyes. He's looking yeah. right at him, right? Yeah. And he sees that there is fear in his eyes, not an animal fear, but a human fear. And he has a moment where he feels that they're equals. And he knows in that moment he cannot let Moro get a hold of him to send him back to that torture chamber of a laboratory. Shoot him. This dude ate somebody. He, he pulls out his gun and shoots him between the eyes. Yeah, good. And there are other carnivorous uh, homunculi yeah. who pounce on his body once he's dead and start rending him. But like, bruh. And as soon as Moreau shows up, they stop. Right. And Moreau is pissed off because he's like, God damn it, I wanted to torture him. I wanted to torture him and now you guys are eating him, which is like against the code. So now I have to shoot you guys too. So you guys are coming to the house of pain. Well, he actually doesn't say anything about them doing that. That's a plot hole. I think he passed it off as like they were, they were helping kill him or something. It's still a flaw in the system. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But anyways. I mean, I'm just saying you have these laws and one of them is broken and now you kill the guy who does it and some other guys immediately jump on that corpse <laughs> to eat it. Maybe take some inventory. So Prendick at this point is just thinking, man, everything is fucked. I want to leave now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, don't want to be a part of any of this. I agree. Later, uh, the Puma Man breaks out of the laboratory. Puma Man. I'm not going to stop doing that. And he, and uh, Prendick is kind of just sitting in the doorway to the compound, and the Puma Man, Puma Man comes straight at him, barrels over him, and breaks his arm. Whoa. Yeah. And Moreau comes running out, and he's like, dear Lord. And he's holding his head, and there's blood coming down his head. Oh. And he says he he ripped the chain right out of its mooring. Wow. Mooring, Yeah. And he's like, this is the strongest motherfucker I've ever had to deal with. <laughs> or it's a weak chain. It's probably an old chain. Probably. Like, like it was the last time he checked it. Ten years. You yeah. Know? So after Moreau has made sure that uh, Edward's arm is good to go, yep. uh, bandaged up and shit, he and Montgomery take off after the Puma with the revolvers. Okay. And Prendick kind of chills out at base, just thinking about the pain he's in. I Yeah. And he hears, he hears like crazy noises off in the distance, like screaming of all different things. He hears gunshots and just all sorts of pandemonium. He mm-hmm. doesn't know what's happening. After an indeterminate amount of time passes, Montgomery returns, but he's all bloodied. Ooh. It was pandemonium. <laughs> and he's like bawling. He kind of lost Moreau. He doesn't know where Moreau is. Um, he's, he's yelling about how all the beasts have gone mad. Mm. And he doesn't know what to do. Yep. Um, he also has his little assistant, Malite, like limping behind him. Yeah. And he's also blooded and he's dragging like a little hatchet that he uses to chop wood. Oh. Yeah. It's, he's very much like Bobo. Seems like it. I think. Yeah. yeah. He's very reminiscent of Bobo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's like fiercely loyal to, Mc, to Montgomery. 
So Prendick and Montgomery uh, decide that they need to go back out there to find Moreau, right? Why? What else are they going to do? <laughs> Nothing would be a better option. Uh, I mean, this Puma thing is going to stalk them and kill them eventually if they just do nothing. Stay in the fort. Well, they can't. They have to leave the fort sometimes. Do they? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Uh, so they go back out there and then they run into some other beasts, um, the non-carnivorous type. Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, hey, where the hell is Moreau? And uh, I think the, they this this is the ape man and the lawsayer and another one. Okay. Um, those two seem pretty tight. They're just all yeah. together. Yeah, they are. And they tell him that Moreau and the Puma Man are both dead. Oh, dope. And then the ape man is asking, like, does that mean we have to follow the rules still? Can we, like, not do that anymore? Because, like, what God. Do what do you want to do? God is dead. <laughs> God what, is dead. What do you What do you want to do instead? I mean, he's a monkey man. He probably just wants to swing around and have fun. Yeah, but that's not against the rules. <laughs> I guess. I mean, the rules are okay. Like, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Don't like, hurt each other. What, what rule do you have a problem with that you're asking if you don't have to obey them? Because the answer may require my revolver. <laughs> Prendick tells them that Moreau hasn't died, but merely shed his physical form for the time being. Yeah, okay. He's like, he's still watching from above, so yeah. you need to follow the law. Yeah. But we do need to get that body, by the way. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, so they take him to where his old form is. Prendick and Montgomery uh, recover the body, and uh, it's with the Puma man. So mm. they, they both died. In each other's arms. Appropriate. Uh, and I think there's a thing about Moreau's hand is like severed at the wrist almost completely Whoa. or something. It was really grisly detail. Yeah. So they take his body back to the compound with the help of some of the creatures. And then uh, they, they lock up. They go into his laboratory and they kill everything in his laboratory. Oh. Because Montgomery is like, man, fuck all this shit. Moreau knew, he, knew what he was doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Like I was kind of helping him mostly. Okay. Uh, and Prendick is like, yeah, let's fuck all this experiment shit. Just leave things be. Let's leave the island. But you're not leaving things be, but. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> well, but, they they, were... but they leave the other ones alive? Like the outside ones? Well, they're free. The ones in the laboratory are all tied up in suffering. Okay. <laughs> I can understand the distinction, but I don't share the concern. Right. So Montgomery is kind of going crazy. He's, he's an alcoholic, which doesn't really come into the plot until this point. He drinks a lot, and at this point, he is getting shit-faced. Yeah. Uh, and he's just blabbering about how he's wasted his whole life, yeah. and that yeah. it's not worth living anymore. He goes full-blown nihilist. And so he grabs a bottle of brandy, and he walks outside, and there's a thing where Edward is like, you better not get Malite drunk, you bla- you bastard. <laughs> oh, oh, man, not Malite. And Montgomery is like, fuck you, he likes brandy, and then walks outside. <laughs> So Montgomery calls to the beasts and they all kind of come up to him. Yeah. And he forms a little party and they start singing about how Edward is a loser. And and all the animals are just singing what he's singing because he's like the boss now. Yeah. Yeah. And he's <laughs> and they, plastered. They kind of wander off. And uh Prendick looks around the enclosure because he's like, I need to get some supplies and get the fuck out of here. Yeah. There's two boats. You know, I should be able to get off this island, no problem now. And so he's looking at different supplies, what he can gather. And then he hears uh, a bunch of noises, uh, like some more yelling and shit down by the shore. Okay. Uh, hears a beastly scream and a gunshot. And he's like, well, fuck, now they're attacking him. So mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. runs outside. He sees down at the shore, there's a big bonfire. Mm. And circling it is a bunch of beasts. And there is 
one of the beasts has jumped on top of Montgomery. Oh, yeah. Right? Nice. And is like rending him. Yeah. So Prendick runs down with his revolver and shoots the beast to death. And now it's like laying on top of Montgomery. And all the other beasts just scatter. They're sure. out of there. Yeah. He got a gun. Eddie's got a gun. Eight man's on the run. You're not giving me a backing track. I don't have a backing track for that song. Okay. I don't know that song. I, just, I don't really either. I know of that song and I've heard it probably a thousand <laughs> times, but it was always at a grocery store and I couldn't hear it. So he runs down to Montgomery and uh, it looks like his throat has been torn and he is just clinging on to life. That's all right. I'm torn. Uh, also, Malite is dead. Oh. That, yeah. Oh. Yep. Uh, sudden. Yeah. Not as sad as Bobo. No. But, but just the fact that he reminded me of Bobo. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Not as sad, but yeah, you're right. There's a little bit of like, oh. He he wasn't a bastard. No. <laughs> he was actually a good like good person. Yeah. He looks over at where the boats were. Yep. They've been chopped up and fed into the bonfire. Naturally. So he's a little pissed. Yeah, I it's don't like, blame him. God damn it. <laughs> this sucks. So the rest of the book, uh, I have severely condensed. Good. Because I thought it was pretty boring. It's also 100 degrees in here. So. It is. It's getting hot. <laughs> I'm ready to. Um, but... The the ending I thought was pretty boring, so I just listed a few things here. That's kind of sad. So Prendick uh, essentially becomes king of all the beasts. Uh, okay. He grabs a whip and the revolver, and he rallies them. I am your god now. Yeah, he's basically like, all right, I'm running shit now. The laws still stand. There is no house of pain, so you don't have to fear retribution. But we need to follow the laws because uh, he. I think he says that Moreau will come back one day along with his house of pain. Interesting. So it's very much like, uh, you know, <laughs> like some religions. Yeah. Well, it's the opposite. So he's like the king now. He lives with them. Uh, there's one beast that is uh, like half dog who has uh, become very loyal to him. Mm -hmm. uh, is it the hound? Uh, it's not. The the hound was just a hound the whole time. Oh. Uh, it wasn't a beast. But then this thing is actually like one of the chimera and he's part dog. So he's extremely loyal okay. to Edward and he helps him with rallying all the other beasts. Um, there's a couple carnivores that Edward is like, I need to just fucking kill them because they're going to come at me at some point. Brutal. Right? Uh, there's like a half hyena, half wolf thing that he has a vendetta against throughout the book. And uh, he eventually kills it. A wolfina. Over time, these beasts kind of lose their humanity. Mm -hmm. They all start reverting very slowly until yeah. they just act like animals. And he says it's it's weird because every now and then... They'll just say a word out of nowhere, even though they're like animals now. And he says it's it, the way he says it's kind of spooky. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, they start acting like animals and then he gets comfortable with them being animals. And then they'll just look at him and say a word. And he's like, oh, my God. You just just walking down the beach. You see a monkey. The monkey looks at you and just says mango and then just keeps going. <laughs> Eventually, he notices uh, there, there's like a couple fake outs. I think he sees a sail on the horizon, uh -huh. but it doesn't get close enough for him to wave it down. And then he sees a small dinghy, like the one he had before, yeah. kind of coming towards the island, getting swept in by the current. And he's yelling, and he's signaling and stuff, and there's two men sitting in the boat, and they don't seem to react at all. Oh. And then a bird lands on one of them, and he still does not react at all. Oh, they're dead. <laughs> yeah, so it, it kind of washes into the little bay. He gets to where he can grab and pull it in, and yeah, they're two dead men. There were actually two dead men on the ship that he abandoned. Which is oh. fucking hilarious. Oh, that's horrifying. 11 months on the sea. Oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that, I mean, that would have been that shows you that would have been his fate had yeah. Also, fate not intervened. If they were floating for eleven months and nobody saw them, yeah, what chance does he have? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he's like, I have no choice. I gotta. So he dumps them out and starts loading provisions. Well, and it. you know, they did say other ships would be around in a year ish. Yes, he did. He so did. you know, you have at least that hope. Right, right, right. So. Um, oh, there's a thing about the, uh, the compound got burned down at some point. I think it was when he rushed out to help Montgomery down at the bonfire. He knocked over a lamp and it lit everything on fire. Oh, okay. So his provisions are a keg of water and as much fruit as he could put in the boat. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> Fruit's not really good at being preserved. Especially not in tropical climates. Yeah. It's if rough. it's just, if it's just fruit. Yeah. Now I would say fruit preserves are really good and they last forever. Right. But this is not that. Just, no. to, just to cancel any emails that we get. He, he also uh, got, uh, I think it was like two rabbits he, he shot mm. and brought with him. Yeah. I mean, that you could have it last a little bit longer if you, if you jerky it. Yeah, but. yeah. Dry it out. So eventually, floating on this boat, he's rescued. Shoot the monkey. <laughs> but he's, he's a monkey man. He had, he had intelligence at one point. Yeah, but not anymore. And you didn't have any problem killing the carnivores. It's because they're assholes. Yeah. But like, you need food. It's a matter of survival. You, were, you drew lots to eat a human being. And now you have a problem with uh, uh, now fake you that I'm addressing that has no basis in this book has a problem with shooting an animal that used to have intelligence, but you were going to eat a human. Look, look, look. He had a lot of fruit. He wasn't that hard up. So he's rescued. uh, And of course, nobody believes his story. Right. Yeah. And then his nephew prints it out. He eventually just starts telling people that he can't remember what happened after the shipwreck. I'd probably do that too. Yeah, probably. He's scarred from his experience and cannot stand living near other humans. He used to live in the city and now he just hates it. Yep. He doesn't like people looking at him. He doesn't like talking to people. I know what he feels. Mm. <laughs> mm. So he lives the rest of his life in the countryside with his books and looking through his telescope at the stars above. That was a thing that they just didn't say that he was into astronomy until that point. Yeah. No, that's kind of lame. Uh, but yeah. The no. only other hint we got was the... was. My light or whatever, looking out uh, yeah. on the ship railing. Yeah. So, uh, fiend. Fiend. Well, I still want to read it, but I'm less excited now because that ending sucked. Yeah, no, I didn't really dig the ending. I thought it was really boring. And Yeah. I'll tell you this. Uh, in terms of endings of H.G. Wells' book, I think that's 0 for 2 because I read The Time Machine recently and I couldn't tell you how it ends. Right, right. It was unappealing to compared to the rest of the book. I can see a lot of inspiration from this and other things. Mm-hmm. Um, Animal Farm specifically, I said that a lot. This is very, very Animal Farm, except Animal Farm is, um, do you know, do you know the premise? A little bit. It's, uh. It's anti-communist. Yeah, 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 that's right. Um, but essentially animals take over a farm and. Yeah. Pigs become more human-like because turns out if you give people control or animals or whatever, if you give a certain group control over another group, they're going to exercise that control. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's very on the nose and, you know, almost satirical to a point. But uh, but it is very interesting. Um, but also, this reminds me a lot of the most dangerous game, and I don't know when that was written. Mm-hmm. Except that one has uh, a hunter on the island who is hunting the boat survivor. Right, right. And it reminds me a lot of. I mean, yeah, you said it, like Orphans of the Sky. It's it's very, very of that time period sci-fi. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a lot of veins of uh, of of Jules Verne of. I mean, obviously H.G. Wells because he wrote it, but like it, it's it's very old school sci-fi, mm-hmm. and I like that. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I was rocking this story up until Montgomery died. Yeah. And then it just ceased being interesting to Right, because then it's just the main character alone with his thoughts and these human-animal things. Yeah, and then they no longer pose a threat right. to him, which right. was like, that's fucking lame. I thought he would have to dodge and dip every one of them from so this did, point out. did he just like, because you said there were a couple of carnivores and everything, did he just like walk up like, yo, uh, the laws still matter, pop, pop, ignore that. Um... <laughs> Well, he keeps saying that, um, so the, the carnivores, he, if, to justify his killing them, he would say they broke the law and those who break the law, did they are subject to the consequences? Well, I guess they did when they jumped on the leopard person he shot. Yeah. Like all the carnivores were kind of slipping. The leopard okay. man was the one that actually broke the law. Okay. Okay. Um, so he's like, they, they have no place anymore. And the only ones left after he killed the carnivores were the non-carnivores, right? right. The ones right, that right. don't pose a threat to him. So, I don't know, yeah. man. Monkeys, monkeys can wreck your stuff. They can, uh, so can if, you, if you fuck with them. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was uh, so when Moreau was explaining his whole process and plan to Edward, um, that was really the meat of the book, I think. And yeah, I didn't yeah. really talk about it because it's very philosophical. Right, it's philosophical, and, and it's nineteen hundred sci-fi. Yeah, so it's like he goes into the detail of how he like every single step of the process. Yep. And then he talks about the, what, what is really the difference between animals and man. Yep. 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 Um, yep. And there's this, uh, there's, it's kind of, I got this feeling that there was some, some comments kind of, or maybe HG Wells was trying to talk about like, from his perspective, the point of organized religion is to um, kind of, I don't know. I think he's like, he was like making a statement on how, People in organized religion are using rhetoric to suppress their base desires. Sure, sure. Uh, and yeah. whether or not that's a good thing, right? right. Like, it, should we do that? Is that is that actually how society has come about is by doing that? Right. Like, At the end of the day, a carnivore is a carnivore. Yeah. And so, uh, and he, he, I think he really pointed out, like, how uh, a lot of religious people you meet are just complete fucking hypocrites. <clears throat> yeah. Because you have the leopard man yeah. who's doing his animal thing. But then the second Edward is looking at him, he stands up straight and is like, oh, well, nothing happening here. Right. Right. It's like they, they, they follow the law when other people are looking. But yeah. then when no one is looking, they just do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. So um, really, really, really interesting book. Didn't like the ending. But aside from that, yeah. everything else yeah. was, no. was pretty great. On this show, we have a rating um, that we give each book. Our rating consists of one to five levels. The bottom level being toilet paper, not worth the material it's printed on. Uh, the second level, we have a shampoo bottle, which is, it's it's there. You can read it maybe on the pot or something like that. Um, third level is an Ikea manual, which is usually either entertaining or well-written. Usually not both. Kindle pick is where it kind of gets into both. Uh, worth buying electronically, discounted. Uh, and then hardcover, which is an instant classic. So, Dr. Fra- is that Tim Curry? Yeah. Okay. Dr. Frankenfurter, what is your rating for... I was trying to come up with a punny name. No, I know the name. I was trying to come up with a punny name, and I just couldn't. I just couldn't get there. But the island of Doctor Moreau. Uh, the island of Doctor Moriarty. Um, uh, I would say um, this is this is a classic, uh, and I I think possibly a lot of people will uh, disagree with my rating. Um, I I would give it a Kindle pick. Okay. Uh, not a hardcover. Sure, sure, sure. Um, the the ending, just as we've said, is just really I thought was very boring, disappointing. Uh, I was hoping for something a little bit more hardcore, but as soon as 
Montgomery was dead, everything just seemed to mellow the fuck out. Yeah, it just kind of divulges into man lives yeah. on island. And it, it, it like it was escalating in chaos and yeah, then just diverges. nothing. And I yeah. was like, okay. Um, but yeah, definitely a Kindle pick. It was definitely a very well-written book. And uh, the descriptions are so good. Like he just creeps me out yeah. in how he describes things yeah. like so effectively. Nice. Uh, and that's that's kind of rare for me. I like I don't I don't get creeped out by horror books. Right. So yeah, definitely definitely recommend uh, discounted or electronically. Which as a which as a horror book would you recommend in terms of like which one spooked you out more, this or Turning of the Screw? This one is way scarier than Turning of the Screw. Okay. Uh, Turning of the Screw, which I think was written around the same time, uh, was pretty subdued in as far as scares. Okay. It was also very effective at describing the yeah, environment yeah, right yeah um but ghosts don't work the same way as a clawed beast stalking you in the it's night. true there's something more primal about uh yeah about being hunted by an something animal. more immediate yeah and then the ghost is just this it's a looming threat it's more of dread. a red yeah more than more than it is actual uh uh, uh what's the word it um i can't i can't think of the word to save my life <laughs> it's a looming threat more than uh, more than an immediate threat to your physical body. There is a feature film yes. adaptation of this, and I've heard it is horrible. Really? Yes. Uh, I know it exists. I didn't I didn't know that. I, I saw I looked up a scene on YouTube and it the CGI was so fucking funny where how bad Ooh. it was. So I sometime I really want to do a commentary track. Yeah, we should. But we have a list, so we'll get to it eventually. Yeah, we'll put that on the list. Uh but it's I'm looking forward to that. Nice. Uh, yeah, we have a, a patreon.com slash a page too far. Uh, if you want to hear bonus episodes, commentaries, outtakes, footnotes, we got all kinds of content up there. Um, check us a couple bucks if you can. If you can't, we appreciate it. We understand. Uh, we have uh, a page too far at gmail.com. It's a page too far at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, snide remarks, let us know. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, which we're working on getting a direct link for. But right now, if you search YouTube a page too far, you'll pull up the feed there. Uh, shoot us any comments again. Let us know what you think of the episodes. We have uh, Instagram and Twitter, both at a page too far. Uh, and then Twitch. Twitch. Yes, we, we've been streaming and we had Twitch our first Twitch. we had our first successful stream. Uh, <laughs> our, our third our cons- third consecutive stream was our first successful stream. Yeah, first successful one, really. Yeah. Um, we're going to be switching up some games there, playing a couple in and out. Uh, but yeah, that's a, a game too far. Twitch.tv slash a game too far. Yeah, yeah. Come come join us, please. It's so much fun. Hashtag Boba Lives. Yep. Hashtag Fiend. Hashtag Malady. Hashtag Malady. Spell that how you will. Yeah, I don't even know how the fuck you'd you know, spell that. Yeah. Good luck. We love you. I don't. He does. I don't really know. It's, it's, it's very uh, platonic for me. But I mean, it's still love. I mean, platonic I, love is still love. Love in the same way that I love Star Wars, you know? Like, I'm a big fan, but... You're a fan of our listeners? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally, yeah. I mean, I, I'm a fan of our fans. I didn't describe my love. How do you know that's not what I meant? <laughs> I mean, there are five different types of love, right? Yeah, at least. Yeah. What are, what are the five loves? You have uh, friendship, family, romantic... I fucking forget. There's a lot of different types of love, though. Yeah, I don't know. There's agape, agapeo, and... Another agape, I think. My point is, I love them like a friend, right? Yeah. Well, not really, because I'd hang out with my friends. I wouldn't hang out with these people, but... Yeah. You wouldn't hang out with our listeners? Probably not. What if we went to a con and a listener came up and he's like, yo, I love your show. Oh, I'd probably hang out then, but like... Well, there you go. I don't. I wouldn't make it an appointment, you know? I mean, you kind of did if you're going to a con. I mean, technically, yes, but... Uh, just shower. That's all I ask. 
please. I agree with that. Yeah. 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 Motivation is like bathing. You have to kind of refresh it every day.